but okay. On. All right, here we go. Hello, and welcome to everyone tuning in with us today. My name is Kate Bagshaw, and I'm a technical officer working with JSI's Immunization Center for the past three years. Here with me today is Adelaide Eleanor Shirley, a regional immunization technical advisor for JSI in Zimbabwe. Adelaide brings a strong technical, programmatic, field, and global immunization perspective to, the, to immunization. In a career spanning over 30 years, she has been involved at all levels and most aspects of strengthening immunization programs by providing technical support to ministries of health, not only here in Zimbabwe, where she lives and where she's from, but also in Namibia and Nigeria. In Zimbabwe, she currently provides technical support to the National Zimbabwe Expanded Program on Immunization, also known as ZEPI, providing, uh, focusing on new vaccine introduction, such as the HPV vaccine, and scaling up strategies that improve the uptake and quality of immunization services in Zimbabwe. In addition to all of that, Adelaide is a member of the Zimbabwe National Immunization Technical Advisory Group, the NITAG. She's a member of the National Certification Committee, National Polio Expert Committee, a member of the International Association of Immunization Managers, a member of the Immunization Practices Advisory Committee, in Geneva, and in April 2017, she was invited to serve as a member of the WHO Program Advisory Group for the support of the RTSS Malaria Vaccine Implementation Program in Geneva. Adelaide, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you, Kate. We're so happy to welcome you, especially because of all of your experience. Um, I think you have quite a resume here that we were able to tell everybody. Um, so you've been working in immunization for over 30 years. How did you find your passion for immunization? Did you have an aha moment that made you really grasp onto it and want to pursue it? Oh, thank you, Kate, for chatting with you today. Um, well, after my initial training uh, uh, as a, a nurse midwife, uh, I then uh, did uh, community nursing training. Uh, where we're looking at the causes of diseases instead of treating the diseases, because when we are trained, we are trained on clinical work. So when I did the community uh, training, community health training, um, I realized that I had a passion for for doing public uh, uh, health work rather than clinical work. So. And then after this training, then I went, I was deployed to the first uh, province that I worked as a community health worker was in Mashingo. And uh, that time during the 80s, there were a lot of diseases, especially the childhood diseases, and children were dying of, of, of diseases like measles. So working there, uh, the main primary health care program that was uh, really popular and uh, the country had support for was immunization, child immunization. So that's how I started, you know, working in the community, uh, doing vaccinations. That time there were no health facilities. So we had to do more outreach work uh, rather than, you know, uh, the, the, the health uh, center uh, delivery system. So that's when my passion for immunization started. And we realized that the mortality actually dropped because of, of, of the vaccination, especially measles, because really it was bad. 
families used to have a lot of children because they knew maybe half of them will die. Mm. So after they realized that vaccination actually improved, you know, the survival of children, even the women started taking up family planning because they knew if you had 10, all of them will survive, you know, after that. So that's when I started my passion for immunization, uh, uh, working as a community nurse. And then afterwards, uh, I went on the career ladder until I went uh, at provincial level and then at national level as the EPA manager of, of Zimbabwe. That was uh, in the 80s. So in 1985, then I became the district nursing officer for Chipinga district. And uh, this was even more challenging, you know, because this district was the worst district in the country in terms of services and also its borders with Mozambique. And it had a very big refugee camp. So I worked there for seven years, uh, doing all the, the immunization work, primary health care as a whole. And then 1991, that's when I was interviewed for, to manage the program at national level. Mm. So now I was focusing on not, uh, not MCH activities, but just zeroing on, on immunization when I came to national level. So this is when everything started. <laughs> it's a really great story. And knowing now that you're a regional immunization technical advisor and having started out at the community, you certainly yeah. have climbed that ladder. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about your role that you, the role that you have now in that regional role? Um, basically, apart from uh, the technical assistance that we are giving to, to Zimbabwe, uh, I've also been asked to help uh, other countries, especially with the introduction of new vaccines, uh, especially the, the HPV. Uh, we are one of the may, maybe first countries to, to, to introduce a, a HPV vaccine. And um, uh, we seem to, to have done very well because we rolled out after having finished the demonstration projects in two districts, we then rolled out in uh, 2018, uh, giving the first dose. And I think what's unique about uh, the Zimbabwe program is that we did the multi-age cohort to, to, to give the first dose of vaccine that is last year. And then this year, then we are giving the second dose to the girls that we gave uh, last year. And from 2019 onwards, we'll be now focusing on the grade five girls. We're no more going to, to look at the age, uh, ages of these girls, but uh, uh, grade-based. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm, I'm doing now, assisting the, the ministry in doing that. And uh, of course, I've uh, been to Mozambique they were planning, you know, for their introduction. I've also been in touch with the, our colleague in Malawi, and uh, we had a, a, a regional meeting where we also shared our experiences for the benefit of other countries that will still uh, introduce the HPV vaccine. That's really interesting um, because I know that you have supported a lot of new in, new vaccine introductions in Zimbabwe, but how has HPV been different or unique in comparison to other new vaccine introductions that you have done in the past? Uh, I think 
first of all, uh, this is the first time we've uh, focused on a different uh, age group altogether. We, we have been used to under fives, uh, giving the childhood uh, disease uh, vaccinations only. So with HPV, the difference is that now we are looking at a different age group. And also we are zeroing on girls and we are at the moment not giving the HPV to boys. Well, I think the main reason is the, you know, is the cost of, of, of giving both boys and girls. So number one, that's the difference. It's a different target population. And uh, since these girls are in school, so uh, there's a need to to actually coordinate very well with the Minister of Education. And uh, the strategy of, uh, of delivering this vaccine is school-based, uh, unlike uh, the, the, the under fives where we use, the mothers used to come to the clinics and then those that we can't, they can't reach the clinics, we used to go out for outreach. So that's number two. It's, it's a very expensive sort of campaign style a, a way of delivering the vaccine. So that's the, the two main reasons uh, uh, that uh, make HPV unique. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, looking back on the time when the country was preparing for HPV introduction, so way back when you were doing sort of the demonstration projects, is there anything that has surprised you now that you have introduced that um, you didn't expect back then when you first started? Yes. Um, I think, I think as I said already, that the, the collaboration with the Minister of Primary and Secondary Education has, uh, is something that really has, uh, we've learned that we, uh, involving other sectors is not as difficult as we thought it was because the Minister of Education also have uh, programs like uh, uh, getting the girls uh, or the children that are out of school, finding the reasons why these children are out of school with, a, with an aim of, of, of getting them back into schools. And uh, we, we also realize that the male involvement uh, because when we talk about HPV, we are actually saying it's the first vaccine against cancer of the cervix. So, and most families, uh, most or nearly all families have had a relative that has died of, of cancer of the cervix. And uh, this has really uh, made us aware that uh, male involvement is also very important in terms of uh, of, of rolling out uh, the, any new innovation. Because like uh, most countries, Zimbabwe is the same, uh, the men are the sort of, <laughs> they decide what happens in, in their families. Mm -hmm. Even with family planning, that's why sometimes a woman would hide because the husband doesn't believe in family planning. So even with uh, uh, these other pro interventions, so it's it's with HPV, we've found that even in schools, the school masters, most of them, the health coordinators were men, uh, but uh, the interest that 
was stimulated by HPV, really, it surprised everybody. And uh, although there were also problems because the funding was not enough to sort of extend to support, you know, the, the school teachers. You mentioned that in Zimbabwe, almost every family has been affected one way or the other by cervical cancer. Um, in the process of introducing the vaccine, have you met any? Uh, have you met anyone who's a cervical cancer survivor, or have you? Um, is there anyone that you've that you've met that had that um, really inspired you to continue to keep doing this work? A personal. Yes, uh, actually, I've got my mother's sister who died of uh, cervical cancer. Uh, well, that was. Uh, maybe before I actually was involved in, in, in immunization. And uh, that time we were told that, well, it's something, cancer is not curable and there is no vaccine against uh, cancer. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, looking back, I was just thinking, you know, maybe if I had this knowledge that I've got now, maybe I could have uh, done something. To, 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 to my aunt because she died quite young of cervical cancer. So I think, uh, yeah, looking, looking back, I think uh, now, apart from actually vaccination, the first lady of Zimbabwe is very passionate about uh, uh, cancer prevention, cervical cancer prevention. She has actually gone around the country talking about screening for cancer. So the, girl, the older girls and the women uh, who are not targeted for, for HPV vaccination, we talk about they should go regularly for cancer screening. So this can be done you know, using VIAC, which is quite simple, which can be done you know, in primary healthcare centers. So I think a, a vaccine alone a, cannot a, a, a prevent cancer, we should also make sure there's robust screening exercise in all the health facilities. And the vaccine is for girls. So how are the girls reacting to the introduction of the HPV vaccine? Um, during the PI, which is a post- uh, 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 post-introduction evaluation, uh, we had a chance also of talking to girls, you know, uh, because now they were coming for their second dose. And it was very interesting that uh, uh, the girls, in, in the beginning, they, they were not quite, uh, it was like a, a screening for whether they had their first sexual debut or not. So we realized that instead of talking uh, about HPV infection as an STI, a sexual transmitted infection, we actually changed our communication to say it's cancer, it's cancer prevention. So when we did that, we found a lot of girls now really eager to have the vaccine because some of them, of course, they, they asked why uh, are we targeting nine years to about uh, uh, 13 years and uh, I think the health workers that time were saying we want to catch you you know before you start engaging in sexual activity 
So we realized that that information was not very acceptable because these are young girls and they're in schools and uh, uh, instead of uh, talking about sexual reproductive uh, 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 sort of uh, behaviors, so we thought let's just zero in on cancer prevention and we found that the girls actually, the ones that were reluctant, they were actually motivated by those that had the vaccine, the first vaccine. So even older girls started queuing up and say, I haven't had my sexual uh, debut, can I also have the vaccine? And uh, it was uh, quite reasonable for them, but then we had enough vaccines for a certain target population, so we couldn't extend it to girls outside our target population. So the girls now are actually uh, motivating each other. Even in schools, there was a school which did a, a drama on, 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 on uh, HPV vaccination. So it was quite interesting that the girls themselves now understand uh, why this is important. So we had, of course, questions from boys to say, since it can also cause other cancers, you know, uh, but we said, well, as soon as the government has got enough resources, we'll also think about extending to boys. So it sounds like there's a lot of demand uh, for the vaccination in the girls and maybe eventually boys that we want definitely, to reach. Definitely, yes, definitely, yes. And, you know, there was one very strong parliamentarian during our planning meeting who actually was very serious about us to consider boys as well. Uh, he thought it was quite a sexist decision to to sort of leave the boys out since they, they also can, can have uh, other types of cancers. So I think, uh, as I have said, once the, the government can afford it, I'm sure since we'll be going into schools, not only for HPV, but we're thinking of also integrating TD in the, in the, in the school delivery uh, system. So it would be good now to, to, for the boys, at least they'll have the TD. Mm-hmm. But when the resources are available, we can extend, you know, for them to give the HPV vaccine. I'm glad that you brought up TD because I had a question about um, kind of linking to this. And I was wondering how you think um, experiences with HPV introduction can be applied to other programs, such as other school-based services or vaccines that are outside of the traditional schedule. Uh, Yes, Kate, definitely. um, As I've mentioned before, that the school-based strategy is very expensive. So... So we'll rather now look at giving a package, you know, to the schools. As uh, I've said, for the boys and girls who are thinking of TD, and the new WHO position is that uh, the lifelong protection is after six six uh, 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 vaccinations for, with the tetanus-containing vaccine. So uh, the school health uh, policy also is looking at uh, this uh, integrated package uh, of looking at uh, the other programs like uh, micronutrition supplementation and looking at uh, deworming, looking at other interventions so that when we, the health workers do go into schools, 
they don't just go with HPV vaccine, they also deliver other interventions. So I think uh, this is why it's actually motivating other sectors because uh, other things don't just touch Ministry of Health alone. Uh, it needs also a collaboration from other ministries. So this is why at the moment there's dialogue between Ministry of Education, whether they can also try and mobilize resources for the comprehensive school health program. Before we used to have uh, the school health program in Zimbabwe, especially in, in cities where we actually health workers, community nurses used to go into schools, screening for, for ringworms, screening for malnutrition, and then of course delivering these services in schools. And the Minister of Education used to run small satellite clinics in their schools where a health worker would visit maybe once a, once a month or once a week to do this kind of uh, school health uh, program. So we are actually having a dialogue with the Minister of Education to see whether this can actually, uh, the, it can be revived, you know, the school health program can be revived. Hmm, interesting. Well, thanks so much. Um, learned so much about the HPV work that we're doing in Zimbabwe. I was hoping now we could shift gears away from new vaccine introduction and HPV and maybe talk about some of the technical support that we provide at the lower level to ensure that our sort of younger populations are getting all of the vaccines, the routine vaccines that they need. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about some community engagement work that you guys do in Zimbabwe. Yes, thank you, Kate. Um, I, I think as we all know that uh, uh, these services are actually directed at the, at the communities. And what we've learned over the years is that if you don't engage the communities that are actually beneficiaries of our services, we don't do very well in terms of participation and involvement. So as JSI, uh, we've uh, actually uh, done some pilot uh, 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 project, which is, uh, is, is, is a concept of, of engaging the communities using you know, village heads and village health workers in the, in the community. So we did initially as JSI uh, uh, conduct a pilot project in Manikaland where we introduced uh, my village, my home concept, which is actually a, a, the aim is to get the communities monitor their own children's status for immunization and also track defaulters who come once and then they don't come for, for, for consecutive vaccines. So, so my village, my home is, is that kind of strategy of engaging the communities through empowering the village heads. So what happens is that the village health worker for that village registers all the children in her village. And uh, those children are also now registered in a tool called my village my home tool which stays with the village head so all the children of that village are actually registered in these two uh, uh, registers so what happens is that uh, if a child defaults so the village health worker will go to the village head 
and update the tool and and say you know i'll show you the tool which is shaped like a house like a headman's house so with bricks so these bricks uh, in a in a row uh, it's, it's sort of arranged in a row for each child as the vaccines that that child is supposed to have so if they don't come for that vaccine when they are due there'll be a hole instead uh, uh, in that wall in that row of that individual child so the village head now is supposed to find out from the village health worker what happened to that child that has caused a hole in his house so it's a it's a very interesting uh, concept because now it also brings a, a good relationship between the village health worker and the village head the village heads are also uh, they also have their own registers of registering all the people uh, both children and adults in their villages so for the village health worker now it has been easier to update her register using the register from the village head so all the children now in that village are not missed because the village head makes sure that all the children that are under two, under two years old, are registered in his own register. So this strategy has really uh, made a difference in Manikaland where we implemented for about a year. Mm -hmm. So recently, uh, the ministry, when we presented this uh, uh, evaluation from the two districts in Manikaland, the ministry was very excited to roll it out. So, and uh, we looked at the data and uh, selected 16 districts where we were now rolling out uh, the, the concept, My Village, My Home concept, to engage the communities. Um, when you were talking about the My Village, My Home approach, you kept mentioning the village heads. It sounds like they have a really important role to play. So I have two questions about this. The first being, have the village heads ever participated in immunization, the immunization program before? And um, if not, how are they reacting to their sudden involvement through the use of this tool and, and their engagement with the immunization program through the tool? Uh, thank you for that question, uh, Kate. You know, sometimes we, 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 we don't realize, you know, uh, opportunities that we miss you know, until, you know, you sort of uh, try out something and then that's when you realize, oh my God, we should have actually uh, involved the village heads from the beginning. So we thought just uh, involving the village health workers, that was uh, sufficient. But uh, now we have realized that actually involving the village heads uh, to be part of, of, of this team uh, to strengthen immunization at community level is, is actually uh, something, it's a low-hanging fruit that we, we, we can actually uh, benefit uh, in terms of improving the quality of our program. And uh, what is also surprising is that the village heads at the moment don't see it as maybe prospects for, for a job. They are looking at it is oh at last the government has realized that we 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 can also participate they're empowered uh, and uh, once they're trained and the concept is explained to them 
they've taken it very well and they are actually proud to be part of the this health team that's great um i know sort of linking to some of this work um are some work that you've done previously around the home-based records and child health cards. How do the how does the My Village My Home approach and this work that you you've done as J, for JSI through JSI with the child health cards? How do they intertwine and overlap and work together? Yes, that's a very good question, uh, Kate. Because the child health card, I think the 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 community or the mothers they've looked at this card as belonging to the health workers. They, they didn't realize that it's, it's a very powerful tool for actually uh, looking after their children and monitoring their health, the health of the children, because the card is sort of, uh, uh, what can I say, in other countries they say it's a passport. You see, this is a passport to health because it talks about nutrition, it talks about you know looking after the exposed babies, and it talks about uh, growth monitoring, you know? It talks about prevention of diarrhea, and uh, also the use of uh, sugar salt solution. So this card has, is rich with uh, information that the mothers uh, uh, can, can use to, to monitor the health of their children. It also, looks at the child development. You know, like uh, you find a one-year-old child who who hasn't started walking, and then you can investigate why and if, if there are any problems. So so it's a, it's a very, very uh, a good source of uh, information about that individual child. And uh, the other important thing is that it's a home-based record which if it's not looked after properly or it's lost or it's uh, damaged somehow, uh, it becomes really a problem to follow up, you know, the, the, the health of that child. And uh, also it's, 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 it's got information that should be in, uh, uh, included in the village health workers register and also in the villages uh, 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 monitoring tool that they keep in their homes. So we did actually uh, do a small evaluation in, in these two uh, uh, districts in Manikaland and we learned a lot. So when we rolled out this time in the 16 districts, we used all the learnings that we, we had from the two pilot districts to improve, uh, to improve on the, on, the, on the even retention of the child health card now it's, it's, it's actually it's more than 80 or nearly 90% retention of the card because the mothers now realize that it's a very important tool to monitor their children's health. So this is one of the things that JSI has done to make sure that the data collected from these other tools, uh, actually there is a lot of uh, triangulation that is done at, at a health facility level to, to, to monitor the child. So, so I think if you look at the, 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 the information that we, we've got, although the recent evaluation, uh, the data doesn't really show so much uh, the impact of, 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 uh, of, of, of these strategies, it's because uh, the implementation period 
was not very long. We, we, we have just done about seven months implementation in these 16 districts. But what we've noticed is that the retention of the cards has improved and also the counseling of mothers, the IPC sort of has improved because the mothers are seeing this card now as a very important uh, uh, tool. Even asking the village head about the use of the card, the village head now can articulate you know, very well the importance of the card. So we are really uh, convinced that with these strategies of strengthening documentation of, of information about the children, and uh, it actually can be done you know, with participation from the community. That's really great news. Um, so I just, so we've talked about HPV and we've talked about community engagement work through My Village, My Home and the home-based records. Um, I think before we end, I know you've also had so many other years of supporting immunization mm -hmm. um, in Zimbabwe through your work with JSI. Just wondering if you wanted to highlight uh, one thing that you really have enjoyed over the last several years with your time at JSI and supporting immunization in Zimbabwe. Is there one um, favorite, there's there are one moment that has stood out for you? Um, probably many moments. Oh yes, there, there are so many moments. And you know, during the yearly EPA managers meetings, you know, it's so gratifying to see that Zimbabwe has actually done much better than most countries, especially in the Eastern and Southern Africa, where we meet every year in March to compare notes and also to share best practices. And the one moment we went to a meeting, which was in Cape Town, where Zimbabwe was asked to come and uh, demonstrate that uh, the reaching every district approach works. So that was very exciting for us. So we prepared this uh, presentation and we had a lot of data from Manikaland where we started, where we clearly sh uh, demonstrated that uh, the reaching every community approach really works in terms of increasing coverage uh, uh, and also reducing the number of unimmunized children. So I think after that, Zimbabwe has always been cited as one of the best programs in our region, and that is very gratifying. And uh, we all take the merit but the work is actually done at sub-national levels. That's where it's happening. So reaching every district is one of those strategies, just like my village, my home, where you need to emphasize on proper micro-planning. And micro-planning involves the communities. So once you do that, uh, you find that it's easier to improve the supply side, not only the demand side where we blame mothers for not coming, but I think we are also looking at what kind of service we are giving to the mothers so that uh, they, they, we increase the uptake. So I think most of all, I'm really proud that having started the program in Zimbabwe myself, uh, to see it surviving under such difficult uh, 
circumstances and we know that immunization is part of the uh, the entire health sector one of the programs there so once the health sector suffers and of course the immunization will also suffer so this is why we've seen a bit of stagnation in the coverage uh, we haven't been uh, reaching all the mothers because of the cost of, of doing outreach work but uh, nevertheless we we, we haven't actually uh, uh, seen any major disasters like measles coming back and uh, diarrheas killing children because we've also reduced the number of diarrheas caused by the rotavirus. So we are actually looking, out, uh, looking at our surveillance. And uh, of course, polio is a thing of the past in Zimbabwe. So we are one of the first countries also who uh, sort of uh, had no a positive polio case since 1980s, 1989 was our last case. So Zimbabwe has always been cited as one of the best pro programs in, in our region. And that alone, I think, is quite uh, satisfying. It's quite, an, it's quite an accolade to be respected by your regional peers for the work that you do for your country. So I would like to congratulate you and the, the team that you work with, of course, for everything that you've done for your country and mm -hmm. to thank you so much for everything that you've done um, in your time with JSI. We appreciate it. So thanks so much for speaking with me today. We learned so much about your program and your, and your work and your career and really um, have learned so much from you. Thank you very much, Kate, for having me, uh, showing off uh, our good work in Zimbabwe. And really, JSI, what I can say, it's very, very respected by the ministry, and they appreciate our technical assistance. Thank you, Kate, for talking to me today. Thank you, Adelaide. The pleasure is mine.